I'm Alyssa. I'm Alyssa. And I am not Alyssa. This is 52 Women, the official podcast of the Montgomery County chapter of the National Organization for Women. Greetings, everyone. Um, I don't have a lot of good news again. <laughs> it seems to be like the theme of 2017. So I really hope that 2018 is going to be just fantastic because I feel like everyone suffered enough this year. Yeah. Um, which, you know, 2016 was also a raging dumpster fire. But, yeah. So, we are recording on the day after the House and Senate and House, again. Technically, because it was like 12.01, Yeah, like, right? but, like, where the tax, this huge tax bill, which is a healthcare destroying the environment, really, bill, um, was passed... The idiot that has been elected to be our president didn't sign it yet, um, and I heard rumors this morning that maybe he would delay signing it until after Christmas yeah. to to save their asses in the 2018 election, essentially. Right. Because if he signs it in 2017, it goes into effect in 2018. 18. If he signs it in 2018, it goes into effect in 2019, and... He, they think that that will save them in the midterms, which I hope to God we're not that stupid. Yeah. We're not that <laughs> stupid, right? Like, Well, we are not. Some people clearly are. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I was looking at that on CNN while I'm at the doctor's office this morning. I'm like, is that, like, a, like a soluble, like, reason? Yeah. But whatever. Okay, so anyway, why is this bill bad for women? Um... Well, it's really bad for teachers. It's bad for teachers. And especially... Okay, so it's bad. So I think... So the majority of elementary school teachers are women. Not that there aren't some awesome male elementary school teachers. There are. But the majority are women. Um, when you're teaching in elementary school versus middle or high school, your classroom probably just has more things in it, needs more things in it. More bulletin boards, more um, stuff for the pretend corner, more... Which is really expensive. Um, they don't move. More they crayons. Stay, like, right. They stay. It's not like in high school or some people's middle schools you carry your, your shit with you. They're there and everything they need is in that room. Yeah. Well, and, and I think kindergarten you need more to stimulate. You know, kindergarten yeah. teachers and first grade teachers need a lot in their back pocket besides a book to read. Like yeah. they need lots of... And there are ways to get that money and like to ask the principal and to do all these... But you have to... I don't know. It's a it's a it's a process. So anyway, a lot of teachers pay out of their pocket. I'm sure because of the needs of an elementary school classroom, like you're saying, they stay in the classroom all day versus other grades. Elementary school teachers probably have to do the most putting out of their pocket in the classroom. Um, and there was a deduction right for teachers up to two hundred fifty dollars. Um, if they were spending money out of their own pockets for their classrooms, and that was erased. So that's it was erased, and for full transparency, they also doubled the standard deduction from, I guess, sixty five hundred to thirteen thousand or something. So, their their thinking is that that should take care of that. Yeah. But I have no idea if it will. Yeah. I have no idea. Like I, I don't. Well, it depends where you live, right? Like I think about like teachers who live in Montgomery County who are. Or just since we're using the teacher example, everybody. Mm -hmm. But I mean, teachers who live in Montgomery County who used to deduct their county taxes 
and their state taxes, now you can't deduct your. Did that make it in the final one, or did they take it out? Because they've been they've been going back and forth. Like it's been hard to keep track of, even for those of us who haven't been burying their head in Netflix for the past few days. (laughs) Guilty as charged. No, yeah, I mean, Um, if it it did, that's great because that would have been yeah. But like for somebody who makes, I don't know, for someone who doesn't make that much money, and your the deductions really matter. The itemized deductions really matter. Yep. Yep. So they did that. They. This isn't really specific for women, but going back to one of our panelists' comment, where if we want to care about indigenous women, we should care about the environment. Yeah. They're okay. also opening up the Alaskan wildlife refuge to oil and gas drilling. Because Murkowski wanted that, right? That was her reward for voting. So white woman who lives in Alaska. I know. Yeah. I know. It's just crazy. <laughs> it's just crazy that you and, can live with that much beauty and be like, yep, drill. And I mean, the thing, the thing to also remember is in Alaska, they get paid by the oil company. Yeah, right. Yeah. Alaskan citizens get money from the <clears throat> oil and gas companies. Where, and this is really generalizing, but if you're if you're not an indigenous person, you don't live off the land, or like maybe you don't give, maybe you don't care. Yeah, maybe. And maybe you think like there's so much, it's fine if we take a little. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the details, but first of all, oil is not sustainable, and we need to knock it off. Right. Like we need we need to stop that. But it's just like we need nature. Like, we need nature. Well, I've never been to Alaska, but Eric lived there for six months after college and doing AmeriCorps. So we lived in, like, oh, lived in southeastern Alaska, Juneau and Sitka. Mm -hmm. And just the pictures. Sorry, I I looked at a picture on 10 years as well. I have been to Alaska. It's beautiful. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just the pictures are so stunning. I can't imagine what it's like to actually be there and then to live there and have that be your home. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You're right. I, I don't understand the... It's, Although Alaska is very, very poor. Yeah, it so is. So money is, I mean, it's very poor. It is. Um, you know, so, but that was in there. And then um, they repealed the individual mandate. Um, so I'm sure Paul Ryan is walking around Washington with a giant raging... Um, Gavel. Erection. <laughs> uh, they, <laughs> getting edited out but I needed to say yeah so so that's you know what does that do well the important thing to say is that it repeals the individual mandate in 2019 that doesn't take effect next year because the insurance markets are already taken care of for next year Mm -hmm. um it could put the affordable care act into a death spiral that could happen yeah it's going to raise prices um but to and we can all thank in quotation marks Susan Collins <laughs> because like this tax bill adds 1.5 trillion dollars to the deficit like that's something we should know that affects everyone. Um, but Susan Collins was like, I'm okay with it because Mitch McConnell has promised me two bills in 2018 to stabilize the market and blah blah blah. So either Susan Collins is a giant moron <laughs> or. She's a lying turd like the rest of them. I could have yeah. excused it the first. When they were voting it out of the Senate, when they were sending it to the House, I could almost believe that she was naive enough to think that Mitch McConnell was promising her something that she was actually going to get. But then there was a week of news 
about she wasn't going to get what he told her she was going to get. Paul Ryan was like, no. Yeah. We're not doing that. So, like, <laughs> the, the first vote may be naive, like you're saying, like whatever. But the second vote, I'm going to go turd on that one. Yeah. That was my other choice, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, <clears throat> that's not good. Um, but the other thing, so... A few weeks ago, <clears throat> there's a group in Montgomery County called Do the Most Good, and it's um, it's a political group. I don't know if they actually have a Democratic um, affiliation or if they're just progressive, but it's, it's a good group, and they do different things. So <clears throat> they hosted they hosted a meeting, the State of Healthcare in Maryland, and they had Brian Feldman and Ariana Kelly speaking, mm-hmm. um, and... There were a lot of things that were discussed, but one of the things, two of the things that were discussed was the individual mandate and CHIP, which we'll get to in a little bit. But basically, people asked, like, what what are the options? Because as far as women's health care go, healthcare goes in Maryland, we have a lot of bills that protect women's health care in Maryland. Yeah. We have the contraceptive parity act i think it's called i don't know I, yeah it's like the backup like yeah. Yeah. yeah and which basically says that you have the right to free or low-cost birth care birth control in the state of maryland yeah. so we in the state of maryland technically we don't have to worry about that right um if we want to have like a micro view <clears throat> but as far as the individual mandate goes they said maybe maryland would want to pass their own individual mandate yeah. which we can do Massachusetts has had one from before the Affordable Care Act because Mass- because of Mitt Romney, Romney right? Romney, Romney yeah. Care yeah. was the goddamn pilot for yes. the Affordable Care right. Act, right. where they have a, I think they have a ninety six percent insurance rate, yeah, or ninety eight percent insurance in Massachusetts, and that was before the Affordable Care Act. So Maryland can do that, um, and it was interesting. So maybe that's something because this is you have to think about it from a price standpoint. And from a price standpoint, the prices are going to go up and it's going to affect women and children more than it's going to affect men. Like, that's just how it's going to go because of the way women are employed. Um, but the other thing that's that they still haven't fucking acted on is the Children's Health Insurance Program, which I'm not sure if it expired or the funding expired and they have to reauthorize funding for it. Yeah, but I think that's what it is. The Children's Health Insurance Program came about in, I think, in 1993, and it was the brainchild of one of our favorites on this podcast, Hillary Rodham Clinton. <laughs> um, it was the one thing she was able to accomplish in healthcare reform in the 90s because back then it was you had bipartisan agreement that children should have health insurance. Um, and Alyssa, you looked it up before that at least in Maryland. If you made, if you were a parent that made about $51,000, like that was the top limit, like $51,000 and below, your child was eligible for this children's health insurance. And it's, again, quote unquote, free or low cost health care, sick care. You didn't have to worry about if your kid got sick, you were, you weren't going to be able to bring them to the doctor because they had a fever. Right. Um, Well, and it's also important for women like a woman leaving an abusive relationship, fleeing with her children who maybe doesn't have her own health insurance, <clears throat> yep. either stays home with the kids or works at a job that doesn't provide health insurance, it's on her husband's health insurance, and she has to flee with the children. 
she's not she's not going back to demand that he you know make sure the insurance card is up to date and whatever so i think it was really i think it's that's a part of it too it's mm-hmm. like not just that women are the caretakers of children not just that all these different things but that i mean if if there's an emergency situation and you need there's literally no way to go back to the insurance you had yeah it's important to protect those women cuz it's at least in New Jersey, and I'm sure it was the same in Maryland, it's operated by, or it's distributed by CMS, so the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, where it's it's part of that. So it's a government program, and there were private insurers that took part of it, mm-hmm. but it was its own entity, so like you said, like you didn't have to go through an employer, you didn't have to go through any of that. Yeah. And the funding has expired, and Congress just hasn't, done dick about it yeah and i was calling about it and asking and i was told oh they're gonna vote on it next week i don't know what they're doing because they haven't voted on it right i mean hopefully they have some because i will give this to nancy pelosi she shoved dca (laughs) through with all of her might i mean she really yeah yeah i mean did an amazing job like she's so maybe Maybe Nancy Pelosi knows what she's doing, but it just does, it does feel like the Dems should say, and we, we were, I was reading, like, I was seeing a Steny Hoyer interview he was giving on um, TV that was posted on Twitter that was him saying basically that the Republicans would be shutting it down. If they really want to keep the government open, they'll come and talk to us about a bipartisan bill, which I am sure the only things that the Dems would be asking for are Chip and DACA. Right. Like these, like, and Chip, like I said, it was a bipartisan, it was, it was one of those 60 vote deals, not 51, 60 votes to get, or two thirds to get it through. Like it was a bipartisan effort because children need, like, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be the kid's fault. I, I don't believe this, but the Republicans who like to penalize people for being poor, not the kid's fault. Right. A 12 year old can't go out and get a job. Right. Or an eight year old can't get well, out. Well, I mean, f- <laughs> what do we say? $54,000? I mean, that's. That's. I mean, you're, you're not. You're, it's not like you're. T- I think we should give health care to everybody. But to people who would be more fiscally conservative and argue, it's not. You're not giving money to someone who's sitting home on the couch. You don't make $54,000 a year yeah. sitting at home on the couch. Yeah. It's just not enough. <laughs> it's just. It's expensive. Yeah. yeah. And that was the point. But. So, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, and I, maybe now that I can speak again, I can call Ben Cardin's office and be like, yo, two months ago you told me you were voting on this last yeah. week. Yeah. So Sorry, I haven't on. followed up since then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Life's, Life's been, been busy. <laughs> giving you guys the benefit of the doubt, but what's going on? Um, I think it's pretty funny how the people who claim they're pro-life don't care about children's health. Yeah. Once it... Breathes oxygen ex utero. Oh, sorry. That kid should pull itself up by its bootstraps. Yeah. I saw a tweet actually yesterday. This is not about Chip, but about weird. Um, that this baby had been born that was the result of in vitro fertilization. And the embryo oh, had been frozen for years, 24 yeah. years. And someone, whoever it was on Twitter, was like, if life really began at conception, this baby could drink alcohol to celebrate its own birth. <laughs> Yeah, it's been an embryo for 24 years. The embryo was, what, an (laughs) ache younger than the woman who had... That was wild. 
<laughs> Science. Um, <laughs> no, but it, like it's true. That's like yeah. it's like insane. Yeah, that baby's twenty. Like has has existed for twenty four yeah. years. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's uh. Yeah, but um, and then the the thing that that um, we also learned at this do the most good meeting when they were talking about chip. They're like, you know, Maryland. His Maryland had its its own chip program before it was a national program, um, so this could be something that Maryland could say we want to fund, and and people were pretty confident that Maryland would say that. But we only have so much money in this state, like that's where it's starting to really affect us. We only have so much money. You can't raise, excuse me, you can't raise taxes that much because then it would really kill everyone. Yeah, and Maryland has to have a balanced budget, so. It'll be interesting to see what happens when the legislative session starts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully Nancy Pelosi gets... And it's not only on her, you know, but she's... No, no, I was, yeah. I was actually saying I thought that she was the one who I trusted the most to have a chance, that there'd be a chance that she has an idea and she's doing something. Yeah. I was listening to a pod the other day and someone was like, maybe Nancy Pelosi's a top secret plan. <laughs> she just can't tell us. And I think that's right. Of all of them, yeah. she's... I would... Yeah, not Chuck. Not Chuck, Chuck Schumer. Yeah, no. Chuck Mm-mm. can't keep his mouth shut. Um, I mean, I hope that's what it is. I really do, too. Like, mm. it's it's just... Because it would be disappointing to be in the minority, have just won <clears> these <throat> big elections that we didn't think we were going to win, and not kind of use that position it's, to, mean, really be mo- to really be moral leaders. Like, if we're going to take back that idea of moral leadership from them, like... And at this C- point, certainly these two things are major moral issues. It should be yeah. a threat at this point. Yep, it right. should be a threat. Like, not even a bargaining chip. It should be a threat. Look what happened in Virginia. Yeah. Virginia may or may not now have a Democratic majority yeah. for time. Didn't they, like, take it away? Whatever the... F- I don't know yeah. what the fuck they did. I, <laughs> it's either 51-49 or 50-50, but for the first time in 20 years, Democrats have close control in the Virginia House of, I almost said House of Burgesses, House of Delegates. Yeah, well, they're 50-50, right? They're definitely 50-50. And the tiebreaker is a, is a what? Who's the tiebreaker? The tiebreaker, it's, there was a one vote that did go to the Democrats, and then the judges said yesterday, no, there has to be a tiebreaker. And I started reading about it and got to the point where there was the coin toss, but the person who's unhappy about the coin toss can contest it. And then I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was reading yesterday. A coin toss? A great way coin to toss. Take it. Uh, but oh but the person, someone. but the, if someone is unhappy with how the coin toss, uh, the results of the coin toss, they can challenge it. So clearly whoever loses the coin toss <laughs> will challenge it. Yeah. Like, I don't... I Reason 459, I'm never moving to Virginia. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so, but but the, the point is, like, it should be a threat at this point. Right. It should be a threat. Like, you did this. Here are your most vulnerable Republicans, which I was surprised. Um, Republican Issa, Issa in Yeah, Daryl Issa. Yeah. He voted against it. And I was like... Because he's a Tea Partier. Well, also because right? he's in California, and they're going to get raked over yeah. the coals as much as New and York, guy, New Jersey, and California. Have you seen the guy running against him, Mike Levin? The guy who's going to run as a Democrat. Well, he's hoping to win the primary and run mm-hmm. as a Democrat. He's, like, young, progressive, 
like he tweets at Daryl Issa like a million <sighs> times a day Darryl to Issa. be like, hi. How you doing? Hi, Daryl Issa. Like, yeah. look at you voting on both. Like he, he, he dra- like just drags him constantly. He goes to, he actually went to, Daryl Issa was doing a town hall and was, I guess he had just made some comment about climate change not being real. Yeah. And this guy, Mike Levin, it's cold out. raised his hand during the Q&A and offered to give him a book about climate change. Yeah, he did see that. And yeah, he's running yeah. against him. And, so he, ha- he has his I mean, work cut out for him. These younger people are going to start running. I mean, Nancy yeah. Pelosi should walk to Paul Ryan's office yeah. because dickhead and chief's not listening. Yeah. Walk to Paul Ryan's office and be like, here's my hit list. Yeah. Here, here it is. Barbara Comstock in Virginia is going to be on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she, I think she voted for this bill. And she didn't win with too much of a wide margin in that election. Yeah. Those of you who fondly remember the commercials yeah. about Luann Bennett and where the hell she lived. <laughs> like, yeah. So. I do remember that. Like, Barbara Comstock's going to be on that list. But she should go with a list of people who are Republicans in Hillary won districts and yeah. be like, this is our next step. My yeah. favorite podcasters, John Favreau <laughs> and Tommy Vitor and John Lovett just started a, like, um, they call it, because their company's called Crooked Media, they call it the Crooked Seven. Oh, yeah. And yep. there are seven Republicans in Hillary won districts in California that they're raising money mm-hmm. to defeat, or, or I mean, sorry, to to give money Flip. to. And they'll wait, yeah, they'll wait yeah. until after the primary. And then all the money from each of the seven bank accounts will go directly to that person for the general election. To Republicans? No, Dems who are in Republican, oh. running in Republican. They're targeting these crooked seven. Yeah. So they're funding the Democrats who are going to run eventually run against them. Gotcha. They'll fundraise da- through till the general. Daryl Ice gotcha. has got to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And I don't know if it'll be Mike Levin who wins the primary, but he's great. Um, well, I was going to say, I was in... Uh, some cabs over the weekend. I don't usually listen to the radio in my car, um, but I heard numerous radio ads targeting Barbara Comstock. Um, like, call her, tell her to vote yes on the blah, blah, on the... Yeah. Yeah. The ads that were blatantly lying for, like, business interests... Yeah, I don't really pay attention to yeah. conservative <laughs> ads. <laughs> 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 exactly oh, oh, okay. Yeah, to, to, to vote yes on the tax bill. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, like the Business Council of America. Something, maybe. Yeah, yeah. they lowered the corporate tax rate, and the CEOs have blatantly said, like, we're not passing this down to our, like, we're not going to pay our employees more. Like, that's not what's going to happen yeah. here. Um, yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah. Did you hear that um, Larry Hogan promised to... Like, protect Marylanders from the GOP tax bill. Yeah. I would like to see what he's he, planning on doing. But he's I think like that a, was after, if I'm not mistaken, like, I didn't read it, so you'll have to talk. But I think there were, like, days that I was, my Twitter feed was full of people, like, activists in Maryland and stuff, tweeting at him about I, the tax bill. Like, why haven't you commented on the tax bill? Why yeah. haven't you, like, you know? Yeah. I don't know what it was in response to, but yeah. he was just like, we're going to have a bill to protect me. And then... He offered nothing, like no details. He doesn't have anything. Basically, it's right. like an empty promise. Right. He and one of the comments I thought was interesting, totally unrelated to healthcare at this too. The most good meeting was how they said like, which we all should keep in mind and we should repeat over and over again. Hogan, this was his first term in a blue state. 
So he had, he didn't really, he didn't do shit. Like he didn't do anything. And like, that's one of the things we should say to people when we want someone else to be elected. They're like, oh, well he really did no harm. Because he, he did nothing. Because he did nothing. Yeah. Right? But that's what we've depressed them on. Like, what did he do? He didn't do anything. Where if he is elected yeah. for a second term, he's a lame duck. He could go... I'm trying to think of a clean expression that I want to use. But he could go, <laughs> like... Like, he could just go all in with Tea Party, Republican, whatever, because... Th- you can't get him out. Yeah. Like, he's got nothing to lose. Yeah. And they were also saying we need to be ever vigilant about our state race that's mm-hmm. coming up. We need, because if you, if Hogan gets a Republican chamber, it's just not good. So it's something that, like, where he might be playing nice now. Yeah. But what, so, people are like buying it though. It's just like literally an empty promise. He offered nothing. And I know. Are like, oh, Larry Hogan did something good. What did he do? I still don't get it. And that's what we, I think. That's what we have to. We have to. We have. That's the messaging we have to focus on, right? Like, what? What has he done? Like, what is? What details has he given? What has he said? Like, he said. He said he wants to put like two seventy hot lanes in. I don't know if either of you mm-hmm. have have seen the the dollar amount of the tolls in Virginia. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like sixty dollars. That's what he wants to like. Oh, I make oh, good money. That that I could not afford to drive to work. No, no. Yeah. And I, I have that no other happens. option to get to work. Yeah. And I work six miles away. Like, like that's the, that's the thing. Those are the things we have to keep in mind. Yeah. And we could put a woman's spin on it, but as women, we make less money than men. Yeah. And like, would you be able to do that? And if you had to. Absolutely not. Yeah. No. And if you had to rely on public transportation, you have to think about how that would affect your day. I would have to get up. An hour, if I could take the metro to work, but let's say I can, and I had children, I would have to get up earlier, find childcare for my children, so right. I can account for a longer commute. Like it just and doesn't. Then, and the metro breaks down all the time. Right, the and metro is are super unpredictable. Yeah. yeah. Plus, you still have to pay to park at a metro station unless yep. you can afford to walk to one. It's but... extremely expensive commuting to work on the metro. I do it yeah. every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's... So much money. And it's and it's really expensive to live near a metro. So like even yeah. you can't even eliminate the cost of parking unless you can afford one of the apartments that's near a metro nope. so that you can't can walk that. to it. Unless you get up earlier to take the bus to that's the metro, true. which check nope. my privilege, really excited I don't have to do that. Yeah. But you know, like that's nobody wants to do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopping on a bus in a city is is no big deal. But like, yeah, all the way from the suburbs. Yeah. To a metro station or into like the city, yeah, it'd be a long. Ride. I was a bus commuter for for eighteen years of my eighteen, but until I was eighteen, yeah. like I regularly took the bus because I grew up in a city and that's how you got around if you didn't have a car, which none of us did, right? Or you walked. Yeah, I took the bus all the time. Yeah, when I lived in a big city. Yeah, but if you live in Montgomery Village, <laughs> yeah, you can't walk to Shady Grove unless you want. A five-mile walk every morning and every night. Like, it's not... A night, yeah. So, it's... These are just things to consider. Like, how these things... Yeah. That he's... And things to push when we start... Start that hullabaloo of the 2018 election. Yeah. Things we should say to our friends and our peers around Maryland. Like, I I have plenty of friends who live in Baltimore County. They're just like, it's fine. He hasn't really done anything. That's the point. He hasn't done anything. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think, I said this the other night, I think, to, um, to our dinner companion, that 
that he already looked like to some Democrats, like, eh, he's fine. He's not a bad Republican. And now next to crazy pants, 45. It's just like, oh, we should even, be happy. Right. At least he's a normal Republican. Like, do you know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. that affects it too. I, I, we all know how I feel about Chris Christie. It's not a positive. <laughs> it's not positive. <laughs> but one positive thing I will say about Chris Christie, because Chris Christie and Hogan are known to be like buddies, Christie didn't always tow the party line. When he was first elected, um, despite bad shit he did in New Jersey, he, like, Obama came and helped with her. Like, he had a dialogue with him. And And he got a lot of shit for it. And he got a lot of shit. He got a lot of shit from Republican leadership. And it's like, I don't, I don't care, in quotes, what party you are if you fight for your constituents, regardless of what's going on. Yeah. And Christy did do that on certain things. Hogan just kind of sits there and is like, I'm going to let this shit burn down. Yeah. Because yeah. the other thing that they talked about at this meeting that we've said on this podcast before is for the Affordable Care Act, Maryland went all in. Yeah. Maryland was the first and went all in and did everything. So Maryland stands a lot to lose with this crumbling. And Hogan was just like, eh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So. Isn't, we get a new attorney general this time too, right? How do we do attorney I'm general? still learning. Yeah. I need to look at that. Because Brian Frosch has really been, thank goodness he's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's really been the one holding it down for also us. Also, the um, Maryland legislature, they well, yes. gave him the permission. Like, they, yeah. gave, they voted to let him take on awful policies. And it wasn't it, like, veto-proof, so they didn't even need Hogan to sign Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here are several middle fingers to you. Yeah. <laughs> From both hands. I'm sure Hogan's family is real estate developers. I'm sure they're getting... He's a highway guy. From, yeah. yeah. And his family is way back. He's yeah. from like a wealthy Maryland family. And that's something... That's just something to keep in mind. Like, okay, he lowered the tolls on the bridge and he did some stuff. But a lot of things like are not like not good for your children Mm-mm. with the school year. And not good for the teachers, really. Yeah. I think they... Um, the way they redistributed that was they put those, so they put those seven days at the beginning because he made the law that the kids had to go to school after Labor Day and had to be out by June 15th. But Montgomery County has a law about how many days there have to be yeah. in a school year. So <clears throat> the, what they did was they were like, oh, well, we're going to, we're going to add however many days to the beginning of the school year at the front end. Or, excuse me, vacation. We're in vacation, but we're going to have to borrow that from somewhere else. So the teachers had, like, an in-service day mm-hmm. on Sunday in November. They took that away and replaced it with one extra vacation day at the beginning of the year. And they went through like that. So, like, to the point where teachers lost planning days. Like, you can't yeah. do – you can't have report card preparation day at the beginning of the school year yeah. for the third marking period's report card. And they sent and they asked for a waiver because when he passed that law they said, Oh, we'll we'll review waivers. He denied that very quickly. Yeah. And I think he denied it for Howard too. Because they were the I I know Montgomery County was one of the first ones that was like, Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well I think Ike Leggett responded that day. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean it's just it I I mean it is it is shitty kind of for the kids because I think 
they deserve those little breaks in the middle and it's sparse this year like usually because kind of between winter break and spring break it's like a <laughs> it's cold the days yeah. are short and there are no like you're, there are already very few days off so yeah. it's nice to have those extra ones in there but I think more for the teachers who had to like now have to do the report cards at home on their couch because yeah. they lost that report card preparation day in the middle of the year. And now teachers don't have as much time with their families, which right. is also important. Right. And they can't take a deduction when they spend money yeah. in their classrooms. But Can don't we... worry, because we're paying them $40,000. Like, <laughs> personal, per, per, personal <laughs> emotional connection to this issue aside, can we just be nicer to teachers? Yes. Like, can we just do that? I know. Um, but anyway. So yeah, tax bill and Hogan sucks. Woohoo. Nah, he does. Sorry, I'm trying to look at how we get an attorney general. <laughs> I think you might be right. This isn't, that's not telling me anything. Um, the, while you're looking at that, the, so Andy Harris, district, oh, yes. district one or district two, mm -hmm. whatever. So the woman who's running against him, Allison, I'm going to look up her name, Gal Galbraith, mm -hmm. I think. Um, she is very active on Facebook yelling at him all the time, and it's pretty funny. Oh, that's good. She, uh, just everything, um, just everything that goes wrong, she makes sure to frame it out. <laughs> Andy Harris is not going to fight for you. Andy Harris is not going to fight for you. I mean, that's true. Those The people who live in Andy Harris's district are going to be screwed by this tax bill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not... For as much as people, as people say, oh, they're all about small business, they're all about small business. This tax bill does not help small business. This no. tax bill does not help LLCs, which are the majority of small business. This tax bill helps corporations. Yeah. So, Joe the Plumber, where are you now? Yeah. <laughs> well, and Eastern Shore. <laughs> Throwback. Joe the Plumber. Yes. Throwback. And Eastern, like, Eastern Shore, like, chicken farmers... People like that who are a lot of them greatly in debt to the well, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, but like a lot a lot of people who are gonna be affected in eastern Maryland yeah. by that tax bill. Yeah. Well, I hope she gives really gives it to him and I hope his chickens come home to roost because he's just he's yeah. He's not a good Republican. He's not well, he's not doing what's and like you were saying, like partisanship aside or party aside. He's not doing what's best for his constituents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which mm. bothers me. Yeah. Well, neither are most people voting for the right? yeah. tax bill. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not right now. I was, I was honestly surprised when I saw the list of who voted against. Well, I was, surpri I was surprised, happily surprised, because the... So all the people who voted against were California, New York, New York, New Jersey, where they have that property tax deduction, mm -hmm. the change. You can only deduct so much on your $750,000 mortgage, which it sounds like a lot of money. But in New York, New Jersey and California, to get a house, it's not it's not a lot, which yeah. there are other issues behind that. And we know. But. It was all it was all the Republicans from those places at least saying like this isn't going to be good for my people, so I was I was pleasantly yeah. surprised by that. But I was looking for Comstock's name because Loudoun County isn't cheap either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, La yeah, Loudoun has really. 
And I think there too, it's a lot of, um, farmers. Yeah. Farmers. farmers. Well, it's a mix of farmers and like probably sales people, like a lot of like those bigger housing developments, like Mm -hmm. the people I know, like lots of young families who have, you know, want a bigger, want like a bigger place, live that kind of, like that kind of lifestyle, but don't want to pay as much as cool. can Arlington can't or can't yeah, afford can't it. afford Fairfax, mm-hmm. so you move to Loudoun, and it's a lot of people, I think, who, there are quite a few people who work in Montgomery County who mm-hmm. live in Loudoun, because even though Loudoun's expensive, I think it's a little bit cheaper than Montgomery County, and yeah. you're not, like, and in terms of size of house and stuff yeah. too, I think, yeah. Yeah, there's more room out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the, in the the less expensive places in Montgomery County tend to be older or yeah. in a certain, like, whatever. Loudoun County has all these huge new developments. And mm-hmm. I used to drive through them all on my way to work oh, every day. Yeah. And the schools are, I think the schools are overall better in Loudoun County, where I think Montgomery County, there are, yeah. there's patchiness. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. It's interesting, Barbara Comstock. Hmm. I can't. I can't get those commercials out of my head. Like yeah. talking about where Luann Bennett's goddamn condo yeah, yeah. is, and I'm like, where does Barbara Comstock live? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, who's this week's woman of the week? It is Louise Lawrence, a transgender woman and activist who lived in San Francisco in the 1940s. Louise knew from childhood that she was female. Because of the social pressure of the time, she was not able to fully live as herself for many years. In 1930, still publicly identifying as male, she married her first spouse, Virginia, at age 18, and she and Virginia had a daughter together. Virginia died five years later, and Louise began corresponding with people who were, quote, transvestites because she wasn't fully ready to live as a woman, but knew she felt most comfortable in women's clothing. She met a man named Montez, who at first accepted her cross-dressing, and they were married in 1941. Keeping her gender identity and cross-dressing a secret from everyone but her husband and a small community of correspondence led Louise to have a nervous breakdown. Shortly thereafter, she and her husband divorced, and she began to live openly as Louise. Louise realized how vital it was to trans people to communicate with one another, and by the 1950s, she had developed a correspondence network that connected trans people across the U.S. and Europe. Louise, along with Virginia Prince, Edith Ferguson, and Joan Thornton, met to discuss the first issues of Transvestia. Transvestia was the Journal of American Society for Equality in Dress. They used Louise's address book for its initial subscription list. It lasted only two issues, but it is considered one of the landmark events in the beginning of the transgender movement in the United States. Virginia Prince considered Louise to be a mentor and went on to found some of the first advocacy and support groups for trans people in the U.S. in the 50s and 60s. Louise worked with several doctors to collect data and provide personal stories about being a transgender woman. In the mid-1940s, she worked with Carl Bowman and even gave a presentation at the University of California Medical School at San Francisco. She also worked with Alfred Kinsey, introducing him to members of the community, including transgender people, cross-dressers, and female impersonators. She was paid to collect and type up life stories of many people in the community 
so they can be included in Kinsey's research. She also kept diaries of her own transition, which she shared with Kinsey. This was crucial to bringing attention to the needs and experience of trans people when most social scientists knew nothing about the community or the process of transitioning. Kinsey introduced Louise to Dr. Harry Benjamin, who sent many of his trans patients to her. She invited them to her home and offered her counsel and support, which was especially important at a time when even cross-dressing was illegal. Louise was also an artist and managed a women-only apartment complex in San Francisco where she lived with her partner. Louise once wrote, quote, I consider Louise to be my true identity even though the birth records say differently. And on this I will stand, for to me, as to most people who know me, I am Louise. I maintain that people are personalities first and that the statistical facts are merely additional information. Okay, well, I hope everybody has a good, fun Christmas Eve and a lovely Christmas with your families if you celebrate. Yes, Merry Christmas. And I am not just saying that despite Donald Trump. I said Merry <laughs> Christmas before, <laughs> despite the supposed war on Christmas. The two Jews at this table do not mind. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.